Oh man, the um, pre-show head bob to the uh, theme music immediately became a back crack for me. I don't know if anyone else oh, wow. noticed on the Zoom, but I was like, <laughs> <laughs> um, so how hard were you bopping kind of, your head? Not hard enough to to justify that. I'll tell you what. <laughs> so. That, I guess, leads us quickly into this is Andrew's Back is Fucked Up edition of Yo, Is This Racist? <laughs> with uh, Tawny cannot be here today. So we have, we'll say, premier guest, oh. Tracy Thomas of the Stacks. Wow. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> is that correct? I'd I'm, say I'm so. trying to think of a more premier guest. And um, that's let's not. Let's not think too hard because I like the title. So let's just no. go with that. Let's go with you're, it. You're number guest. one. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> good. Apparently, I'm incapable of of sitting. Um, <laughs> but other than that, I'm alive. How are you doing? Uh, you know, same old. Just yeah. trying to make it to the end of the year. Uh, honestly, 2023 has been on record one of the worst years ever so i'm like we're so close to december which means we're so close to 2024 so i'm holding on to that hope of like new year better everything but same me no resolutions or anything yeah new year can't be worse (laughs) right what could possibly go wrong i hope i like don't want to dare the universe in that way i'm just like new year please be nice to me because i i feel like if i was like can't be worse they'd find a way it's always, it, it, it can be worse. Yeah. You just, uh, I not got back from, but completed a pretty amazing tour. It was really yeah. awesome seeing it on social media. How was all that? It was fun. Um, it's so much work. Nobody really warned me how exhausted I was going to be. I think you guys <laughs> sort of tried. You were like, yeah, we, we went on tour. It's really fun. But like, you know, it's a lot. But I think I needed someone to be like, bitch, you're going to be... <laughs> exhausted for the next seven months. Um, So I'm finally feeling better. Been home now for a whole month and I'm like, okay. And I just, not that I'm Beyonce, but I just think about like, how does Beyonce do it? And I know she's rich and I know she has like a million (laughs) chiropractors and like the fanciest everything. But even that, I'm just like, you still have to get on a plane. You still have to ride the bus. You still have to do all that travel and you still have to perform every night. Like as rich as she is, no one else is like getting out there for her and mm-hmm. one of the, I don't know if you felt this way like when you guys go on tour but one of the things that I sort of had forgotten about live performance but feels even more intense um when you're sort of yourself on stage is the way that the energy comes directly at you whereas oh. like if you're like in a play or something it's <laughs> right, like oh right, this right. is the character like people are watching but they're not like excited to see me they're sort of just like excited to see the thing but when it's you on stage it's like people are so excited and it's like really it's very energizing in the moment but afterwards I was like I'm a zombie like uh, all of my energy is gone and I just was thinking about like Beyonce times like 60,000 people for all these cities or whatever like how does she do it even like two in a row is like yes. pretty grueling for yes. me. <laughs> that's um, how I feel. It's just like so much energy and like not complaining, but that's just how it feels yeah. on the body. I think that that's turns out because I I mean, not not to speak for Tawny and not that Tawny doesn't get tired, but she is of uh, all of us on <laughs> on this show out here, the most like certainly the most trained as a performer and the most yeah. like performer as a performer. And and I do think there is that fundamental difference of 
like they come away with like after a, a especially after like a good show like mm-hmm. with a net positive yeah and i will say no matter how good the show is i'm a little like i'm pretty tired <laughs> like that I like come took away time with the net like, positive energy out. I yeah. think, but I think like in the moment, I never felt better. And then after, never felt yes. worse. And then like the yes. next day, I'm like, okay, I'm tired, but like good tired, you know, but still like tired. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I will say the the one time I've done two different types of shows, like uh, I think a couple of years at, at SF Sketchfest, I we did we did our show, but then I was on some other show and it was a little like... Not like energizing because I think ultimately I crashed harder. Yeah. But it was a little like, okay, now I don't have time to be tired because I'm just thinking about this next thing. Mm. And possibly what happens to someone like a Beyonce or a Tani Newsom, I see them equally, to be honest. Yeah, um, same, same. You just punt on being tired until you're done. Until you're done. Yeah. <laughs> and then you're yeah. so, so tired. Yeah, I could see that too. Or maybe you just buy like new blood or something. I think, I think that's in an Beyonce's option. case, that might be an option. I'm not sure Tani is on buy new blood level, but I don't know what her bank account looks like. So yeah. who knows? Or She's how cheap it blood. is to buy new blood. Yeah, I that's mean, here's also the thing. True. Where do she, you get your blood from? Yeah, it's it's findable. And you know Bargain what? Blood. If you're, if you're, don't be a, don't be like a real, st- people who are like too snooty about where they get their blood replacement. Yeah. I don't like it. Like, just yeah. admit you got it from Old Navy or whatever. It's yeah, not blood Balenciaga blood, okay? Um, but well, anyways, yeah, tour was Yaga. great. <laughs> yes. <laughs> tour was great. Glad to be back. Thanks for asking. Oh, my favorite thing, though, is like when the tour ended, everyone's like, when are you coming to? And I'm like, no, I'm not oh, coming yeah. anywhere. I'm like, love you, Nashville. Not happening. I mean, it is like one of those. I always kind of feel like, oh, I should or we should. But then it's like. Should we, though? <laughs> I would, but yeah. not anytime soon. Maybe in five more years. At the 10-year anniversary of the Stacks, maybe I'll go other places. But right now, I'm going to tour my ass to my couch after this. <laughs> Just enjoy a book in peace. <laughs> um, speaking of, yeah, what are you reading these days? Oh, my gosh. I don't know that you know this, but I am a judge for one of the LA Times book prizes for the oh every year. So oh, I'm whoa. reading so much. Um, I'm re- it's a nonfiction category. It's called mm-hmm. Current Interest. So it's – and people are going to be like, what is it? So it's basically not biography, okay. or uh, uh, but yes to memoir. Not history, not science. Okay. So it's basically like politics, memoir, global warming, um, journalism, journalism, reported journalism, prisons, like basically like current interest. It can be global. Um, It's actually a really huge category, uh, but it's sort of when I try to narrow it down, I'm like, it's not this, it's not that, it's not this. So I'm reading (laughs) through these books um, and our list is like about 150 books right now. So Whoa. I don't have to finish, but I have to start. I have to start everything. Um, and I am 80 something books in. I'm, I'm 80 oh in God. and I have 50 something left. Uh, when did you start? So, gosh, I can't remember. I think they asked me in May or June. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, if you're doing so the much. math, I have to go a little faster. And <laughs> the award Damn. isn't till April, but our list, I think, is due in February or something gotcha. like that. Yeah. Oh, um, man. So I got about two to three months. 
um, left. But what it means is that I haven't read anything for 2024 yet. And usually I'm like deep into my 2024 list at the start of December, or I start in December reading for the next year. And so this year I'm going to be really behind, uh, which whatever is fine. I'll catch up or I'll just have not as many reads from the year. Yeah. um, You, you, also, yeah, you're you're more than capable of yeah, making it Yeah, it'll be work. fine. But, like, I'm such a scheduled, <laughs> regimented person that I'm, like, people are starting to talk about, like, what they're excited about for next year. And I'm like, oh, my God, I haven't even started looking at these lists. Like, ah. Oh, God. Um, but so what I am reading right now, I just finished this book called Ultra Processed People. And it's about ultra processed food. And the mm. guy who is the author, he is a doctor in England. And I think maybe some sort of a personality. He has like a podcast and he's like oh, done sure. some shows about, about ultra processed food. I thought it was really interesting. Turns out everything we're eating is made of fake stuff and it's right. made to make us eat more. And like there's all these studies about, you know, how people who don't eat processed food can eat way more calories and not gain weight, even though people's like <laughs> calories in, calories out. But it's like the way that we're eating and like the way that ultra processed food basically like rewires our brain not to feel full or like not to be able to stop eating. So that I just finished that this morning and I thought it was really interesting. It's a little long and a little repetitive, but really good. Um, what else am I reading? I'm reading this horrible book. Do you want to hear about this book I hate? Yes. Oh my God. I'm reading this book called Among the Bros by Max Marshall. And I'm reading it because it totally sounded like it was going to be in my wheelhouse. It's about a uh, College of Charleston fraternity drug ring where they're selling Xanax and cocaine and weed. And there's a murder. And the author, Max Marshall or whatever, I think that's his name. Anyways, he's like, I'm going to investigate this murder. Well, it turns out fucking Max Marshall is also a fraternity boy. He went to Columbia. So he's like very <laughs> invested in not interrogating any of the things in the book. Like oh, there's sure. like a part where he's like, yeah, like in 20... 20- 15 or whatever, like there was an article about how bros, like the tide is shifting on bros. And like, that was really harmful for a lot of the guys in these fraternities. And I'm like, was it harmful? <laughs> like, are they okay? Are they going to be okay? They did a murder. Are they fine? Like oh maybe God. being a bro is toxic. And like, there's like a whole section about like race, but he's sort of like, yeah, like there's antebellum parties and like, that's kind of racist. <laughs> so the book is like pissing me off. It's also really mediocrely written. And I just keep sitting there being like, how is this the guy that they let write this book? Because uh, there is a really good book in this story. But so he's weird. written it like, don't be mean to frat boys. I'm a frat boy. And he'll be like, when I was in the frat, we also listened to Walk a Flock of Flame. And I'm like, okay, cool. Here's... I- not to not to um, add a, a slight amount of personal knowledge, but I so I did go to Columbia for undergrad, and I am not obviously, if anyone couldn't tell, a fraternity type person. <laughs> However, I grew up in Ann Arbor, so okay. I was very aware of what a okay. you know right, right, big right. ass like fraternity scene is. And from what I understand, because because Columbia has. Um, no, like real, it has like a, a little campus, but it doesn't really have like frat right. houses and right. like the frats don't have, or like, and none of those folks have like, you know, anything close to the power that they do right. in a place like right. Ann Arbor. So I'm guessing when he was pitching this, he was like, 
I'm in a frater- I was in a fraternity, but I'm like from a school where we were like yeah. kind of marginalized and not cool, actually. So I, I can bring right. an objective eye to this. But then he went like, but then he went like, people were mean to me and didn't think I was cool for being in a in a fraternity. So now I'm going to show you about how cool fraternity guys are. Yeah. They're drug dealers who murder people. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> but I'm like, I'm hate finishing it because I really want to review it, and I only review books that I finish. So I'm like, I'm going to finish this fucking book, even though oh. it is like killing me because it's it's making me so mad but i hate it (laughs) that's such a i know it's it's like a a thing where i am like now that i am like older and like i guess it's a surprising amount of the entertainment industry are people who are like like my reflexive like well obviously like none of us would be in a fraternity type of attitude has bitten me in the ass at um work situations like significantly more than I realized or ever thought it would. I believe that. Lots of people in fucking entertainment were like, yeah, I was in a fraternity. I mean, yeah, you know. Because a lot of people in entertainment, at least people who are like high up, are like rich kids whose mommies and daddies got them into schools. No offense. I didn't (laughs) think... That was oh yeah no none taken my my parents could not have wanted no I mean to, to, to people listening not to you oh to them oh my god no <laughs> much offense <laughs> well I didn't want to get you in more trouble that's why I was trying to say yeah offense. but anyway oh, I hate them all Thanks. and the book sucks oh, but the cover <laughs> fucking fantastic the cover is gorgeous it's like this old timey picture of some white boy with swoopy hair and then a and it's black and white and then like a bright pink polo is like super oh, on top of him <laughs> do you know what i mean it sounds like is you need to um sort of like i mean the like uh movie version of a hostile witness and just like try to get the rights to it and write the like you, using the facts within, write the completely damning version know, of, like, as a movie. I feel like that needs to happen. Not, I'm not oh, going to do it because I can't yeah. spend more time with this text. But <laughs> Have you read any good uh, global warming books in that category? Yeah. I love oh, that's the, right. I have. A selfish wreck if you have one. Okay, so... There's one that I have, I'm only in the introduction, but it was on the National Book Award finalist list. So I feel good recommending that it's good. It's called Fire Weather. And it's about, um, I I haven't read it. So just a warning. This is what I think it's about. It's about yeah. a fire in Canada um, that took out like a huge portion. And it, I think, came from like some sort of drilling oil thing. Mm-hmm. But I, my assumption is that he's going to zoom out and talk more about fire. But it's like told through the frame of this one particular fire. Then there's a book called The Heat Will Kill You First, which has the a first chapter that made me actually sick to my stomach. It talks about like what heat stroke is. <laughs> I think the, I've heard of this one. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. It's yeah. really like it really catches you. And he talks all about like what extreme heat is and like what that does to people and like about like migration because of that. And then the third one that I've read that's, that is not as good as the other one, but still interesting is called the great displacement, which is all about people leaving home um, because of climate disaster. Mm -hmm. And it's also like, it's told kind of in these little stories. So each chapter is a different disaster in a different place and talks about like what those people went through. So whether it's flood or fire or something like, um, like something slower, like, like marshlands Mm -hmm. rising or whatever, and like needing to leave because of that. So that book's sort of an interesting, um, 
framework for yeah. climate, but it's not as much about like specifically climate. But those are the three that I would say. Oh, I love these. I I've been hearing a lot about the heat will kill you first from like yeah. book talk, people recommending yeah. it. Oh, um, really? Yeah, I, I, I've seen a few people talking about it. I'm excited okay. to check out all three of these, though. Thank you. Yeah, it's really good. I think the heat will kill you first is like the most readable. Like, yeah, it's like pretty entertaining. It's like mm -hmm. pretty thrilling. Awesome. I I have been, uh, we said we're recording this just after Thanksgiving, and I have been like sort of sitting quietly as uh, various people in my family have been, because I grew up in Michigan and people lived in Michigan and think about returning to Michigan and this and that. Listening to, in my mind, like honestly unhinged conversations about how, well, when things get really bad, you know, Michigan will always be temperate and have potable water and this and that. And I'm just like, the world where Michigan is our last refuge from like <laughs> the the heat is one that it's I don't think it's gonna matter whether your name is on like a deed, you know, or whatever right. in that right. planet. Like right. it's well, just like I don't know if they have potable water in Flint. So I'm not sure that that's yeah. the case in all of Michigan. <laughs> well, true, true. I mean, I yeah, I essentially I believe my some of my relatives' plans seem to be, well, we could just drink Lake Michigan. <laughs> Right. Sure. And, Great. Love this plan think, for them. I don't just think get a lot of accurate. iodine tablets and do your thing. <laughs> but you know what? What do I know? That's so fucking grim. Um, I don't know. Do we? I mean, speaking of so fucking grim, um, we are recording this ahead enough of time that we don't know what is all happening. Um, but I feel like we should say something about, like, what do I say? The situation between in Palestine. Um, I don't know. You know, this this continues to obviously be the place where I personally am not doing a great job on this podcast. But yeah, I don't know. People are still getting fired. People are um, for speaking out. Um, you know, the there we're currently watching a ceasefire happen. I don't know, Tracy. Obviously, do not feel like pressure to say anything, but I yeah. both would feel remiss to not, and frankly, do feel remiss to say something as well. But. Right. I feel like I'm not exactly sure what you all have covered here on this topic, though I know you guys have done a bunch. Um, I think the ceasefire thing, the like a few days of ceasefire, just as a and I'm not, you know, not in the Department of Defense. I don't really understand right. war or whatever, but it just seems like weird to me. Like it's yeah. like regardless of who's involved. I just think like the idea of like we're at war, but we're going to stop for like four days or now yeah. I guess, an additional two days is like, what are we doing here? And then what? After six days, like we're just back at it. I, I yeah. don't I just I don't quite I don't I can't quite grasp the like. I don't even understand the optics of it. Like the optics of it look bad to me. It's not logistically feasible that people can get what they need. Yeah. And like get the help they need and take care of like the thousands of killed. And I know like in Islam, not that everyone in Palestine is Islamic, but uh, is Muslim, but in Islam, like you need to care for the dead and like bathe them and, and wrap them. And there's like a whole huge part of, of that religion that's around like caring for the dead. And it just seems like it's not, it's not possible to find all yeah. the, the, I, I just like, I don't know. There's a lot to be said about what's going on, but just the ceasefire of it all, I'm sort of like, yeah, a few days? It's, like <laughs> It's all ceasefire. I mean, I guess to the extent that like anyone listening to this, and, and once again, I will say uh, I'm 
uh, appreciative of everyone who's like called in. Like, I definitely get it. We are <laughs> more than usual, uh, and not Tracy, but you know, us. This show are, you know, I guess a little in over our heads, or or have, you know, it's fucking complicated. I guess uh, maybe it shouldn't be, but that's all on us or me or whatever. But yeah, you know, I I will say there's some. Um, like the people who are protesting, people who are calling the representatives, it does feel like the conversation is changing. Like even this insufficient ceasefire wasn't particularly on the cards. Um, and it is, of course, all in the Israeli government's hands to right. <laughs> decide to do this, to, to stop bombing or not. And the conversation is at least changing a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. The New York Times, like the news, like who have been... Uh, in language, in my opinion, very, very anti-Palestinian are, you know, to honestly my surprise coming across more even-handed, um, like accurately describing the number right. of people who are being killed. You know, they're still calling uh, prisoners under the age of 18. 18. That was a wild one. Children. But like <laughs> the like... sentence before was literally like children. And then it was like, and then Palestinian women and people under the age. I'm like, you knew the word seven words. Yeah. How did you, how did you lose the word <sighs> that quickly? Yeah. Ugh. It's fucking <laughs> okay. It's so I don't know. Bad. Yeah. Yeah. I, there's, I feel like there's so many things that are like upsetting about the coverage of all of this, like outside of what's actually happening. That is like so upsetting and sickening, but like mm-hmm. the coverage of it and like the language and all of that, just like, yeah, really, it's really revealing. And and disappointing and like of course you know not surprised but also a little surprised (laughs) like a little bit like really i i you know and then i guess to the extent that there's a hollywood thing that makes any sense um so melissa barrera was fired from um the scream movies of which she i'm not a horror uh, uh watcher for posting essentially like ig stories um about you know, calling for ceasefire, saying things that are not dissimilar to things I have said. And so, um, yeah, that that is like the the remains, I guess, the fucking climate around right. around these parts. Um, Did something happen with Susan Sarandon? I yeah, think she I was missed that. Dropped by her um, I wanna say managers. Um I, again I, I'm not totally aware. I, I will just say there have been times when I think Susan Sarandon says some shit that's a little stupid. Well, that's what um, I was going to pol- say. I'm like, this is the thing. This is the thing <laughs> yes. that we're like, Susan's been doing the most with the least. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I, uh, I'm trying to, I believe she has been dropped. Yeah, by UTA, her agency. So... Yeah, people are, are like facing consequences for, in my opinion, incredibly benign things. Um, I've said on this show already, there was a uh, you know podcast producer that I was working with who, um, according to his tweets, is one of those people that sees any calls for ceasefire as um, anti-Semitic. And he sent me a threatening text after I signed a petition. Um, you know, so it's like a... It's so wild. You know, I'm Jewish and I'm extremely, not only am I pro ceasefire, I'm actually pro let's stop fucking killing Palestinians. Like, I think ceasefire is like so bare minimum. But I have found it really interesting to 
be Black and Jewish and to see the ways that people are trying to say that, like, certain things are anti-Semitic or certain things, like, and I'm just like, that's not how this, like, again, that's not how language works. Like, that's not what these words mean. And I think it's really been eye-opening, like, you know, I have family members who are very pro-Israel and who are Zionist, and I'm just like, how are we related? Like, we were raised, you know, it's just, I just think, like, it is really a difficult time to use language in America (laughs) because it's like, oh, I said this one thing and now I'm being told that I am a self-loathing Jew. I'm like, okay, well, thank you. All I said was maybe we shouldn't kill people, but I guess that means I hate myself. I don't know. Um, Or I don't believe that Jews have a right to exist, apparently. Like, and I'm like, but I am one. Like, I I want to exist. I want to be here. I just don't know that we should be killing other people because we want that right to exist. I think we should all, like, I think Palestinian people have a right to exist. I think Jewish people have a right to exist. And I think that it's all of our job to make sure that our rights to exist exist. Like, I don't, it's just so, do you know that in the book world, I don't know that you guys are up on the National Book Awards, but. I saw some of this. Yeah. Yeah. They were a few weeks ago or last week or I don't know, November 18th or something. I don't know. 17th, 15th, somewhere in there. And um, a, woman who is a podcaster, her name is Zibby Owens. She has a podcast called Moms Don't Have Time to Read, which I find to be offensive, but whatever. And (laughs) she is the daughter of Steve Schwartzman, the CEO of Blackstone. Okay. Um, So she is not wealthy. Um, And she has her own, her dad just (laughs) makes a billion dollars a year. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, sure, Um, sure, sure. She has her own podcast and now uh, her own uh, publishing house called Zibby Books. And she decided that on the Monday before the awards on Wednesday that she was pulling out of the awards because she is Jewish and that she got word that the authors who were being honored that evening might use their speeches to make a statement that she said was, Mm -hmm. quote unquote, going to be hate speech and anti-Semitic. So she pulled out. She does this whole sub stack about how she's the victim here. And then the night and, and the National Book Awards are like, we're not going to censor our authors. Like, we don't censor. And she's like, well, I don't want them to censor. I just want them to make sure they don't say anything that hurts my feelings. Right. Or makes me uncomfortable. Um, And then the authors get up. They do the whole night. Everyone, like, does their awards. Everyone's very lovely. I think there's maybe one mention of Palestine leading up to the last award, which is fiction. That author gets up and he's like, Everybody who's coming up here to make a statement, please come up. And then he gives his personal remarks while they're walking up. And then another author who's Muslim, she reads a statement that is truly one of the most gentle statements I have ever heard. It was lovely, but it was like, we authors believe in a ceasefire. We don't want to see any more anti-Semitism, anti-Muslim rhetoric, any more violence. We don't want children to die. And we want to use our time to make that clear. It's like basically, and it's like a 30 second statement. So this mm-hmm. woman had created this whole huge thing, pulled out of the awards. Another sponsor pulled out this whole thing in the New York Times for this sentence and a half that the authors gave. And it just like totally speaks to the climate of like, we're going to blow everything out of proportion off of a rumor that perhaps authors were going to perhaps say something at an award show where we're honoring them because we care about what they think and their right. words and the way that they view the world. And it just was like 
so, and it overshadowed the whole thing. And it was such a nothing burger in the end. Like the statement was just so gentle and it really, so it's everywhere. It's, and, and the thing, oh, this is what I was going to say. The thing that really I think is interesting when it comes to books is like, you know, books are in this whole like book banning thing politically yes, going on. And there's this idea that the people who want to ban books are awful, but the people who want to censor authors are good guys. And even right. in her statement, Zibby Owens was like, I don't believe in censorship. I work with Pen America on book banning. And I'm like, right, because you don't feel like the books that are being banned right. negatively to you. But what if the book being banned was a book that had anti-Semitism in it? Would you then think that the book should be banned? Or do you stand on this idea that we shouldn't be banning books, even if they're racist or homophobic or anti-Semitic? Like, because that's the stand, like that's the real stand. The real question is. Should books exist regardless of what's in them? You right. know? And I just like, oh, it's just God. all of one, I think all of one piece. And I think that people are trying to pretend like they're two separate issues. But I think like, right. if you're inclined to ban speech about Palestine and Israel, you're inclined to ban books at some point when the right book comes along to be banned. Right. Or it's so bizarre to like think that like the difference between, I guess essentially what, what, um, someone with that view is saying is that like the difference between acceptable speech and unacceptable speech is like a publisher agreeing to make it. Sure. <laughs> Which is like, cause like they're otherwise they're just thoughts. They're just words right. in the world. Some of them come out of a mouth, some of them off a page, but like, right. Right. Someone yeah. has to pay, I guess, to make them on a page is the difference. Yeah. <laughs> oh so God. Silly. Yeah. Well, that's uh thank you for uh, walking down that road. Um, let's take a little break and we'll do like a voicemail or two. We are back. Hey, um, Tracy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, do you want to, do you want to do some, um, you know what I will say? Um, these are, in no way, because um, people familiar with the production of this podcast will know that, you know, some of the scheduling could be a little tighter. None of these are in any way Thanksgiving related, even though okay. classically one of the most racist holidays around. Yes. Gotta <laughs> um, love Thanksgiving racism. Um, all yeah. Day, Wait, how was day. your thing? How was your Thanksgiving? It was fine. <laughs> how was all that? Yeah. You know, it gets harder and harder to celebrate. I have to be honest. Like, I've been trying to do the thing where it's like, we don't celebrate the pilgrims. Like, we just celebrate, like, being together in thankfulness or whatever. But that sort of feels hollow, right? Am I tripping? Like, it sort of feels like... No, not at all. I mean, I think it's it's just like, look, as, as like, humans, we probably need just, like, a, a specific reason to check in with, you know, some group that you feel might be your family for some number of times a year and this is we're just in that stretch because right. it's cold right, um right, right you know so like it that's just needs that a rebrand it needs a columbus day rebrand you know like it needs like yeah. indigenous people's day you know what i mean like it's yeah. just like because you can you can say like oh you know just want to be thankful or whatever but like this holiday is about genocide like yeah. end of story <laughs> and yeah the more like I think the more that I read and like think about these things, yeah. the more that this holiday is starting to feel like something that I've got to divest from. 
in yeah. a lot of yeah. ways. Like, <laughs> it just like, I we didn't even do, we didn't even go around the table this year and do like things you're thankful for. And oh, I'm just God. like, we don't, we don't have to do Thanksgiving. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. I feel like. it's like, feels like so culturally, like it's like such an American day and you have the day right. off. And like, I do want to <laughs> eat turkey with cranberry sauce exactly one time a year. Yes. But I also feel like celebrating this holiday in any way is being like, yeah, I can turn a blind eye to, to yeah. genocide. Just tell me if I get turkey and stuffing and I, I'm good. I mean, I you know, so much of American existence is turning a blind eye to genocide. Right. So right. there is, right, right, right. listen, we all have to do it. We to have to do it. Live the yeah, lives I mean, that we're I'm a living. black American. I understand. We do it. But I'm just <laughs> yeah. like, I don't know. There's something about this one where I'm just like, I, I think it's the way that people try to justify it by being like, no, it's just about being together and being thankful. And I'm like, Try that with any other like yeah. mass casualty genocide event. Right. And, like, it, you know? <laughs> I guess the argument is that this was just like the pregame meal to the big genocide. Yeah. So this, yeah. this is pre- genocide prep. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Okay. Right. I feel better already. <laughs> I it's mean, the tailgate to the genocide. Yeah, oh, God. <laughs> All right. Well, we have our episode title, I guess. <laughs> You're uh, welcome. We'll probably, I thought it was going to be Balenciaga blood, but I'll take yeah. this too. We might have to do that. I, I we don't got know. some good options. Okay. Yeah. That one might be too. I'll keep workshopping. Uh, too. too uh, I don't know. Ripe for misinterpretation. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Man, well, we are, you know, we have actually done a whole (laughs) podcast. We should do a voicemail. Let's do one. Yeah, let's let's do one. one. It's always my favorite part is laughing at people. Here we go. (laughs) Hi, Andrew, Tani, and guest. Um, My question is, is it racist to tell a biracial person that they don't look biracial? Um, I ask (laughs) because I'm biracial, and um, I have this coworker who, you know, whenever anybody was like, oh, I thought you were, um, like, Latina, she would <laughs> insert herself in the conversation and be like, she only looks black to me. Um, and I get mistaken for, um, you know, Cuban, Puerto Rican, Dominican, uh, Native American, and uh, sometimes even um, Southeast Asian a lot. Um, and... She didn't just do it once. She did it, like, a couple of times. Um, So, okay, that's fair. I don't look biracial to you, but, like, why would you say that out loud? And uh, is it racist? All right, thanks. (laughs) Yeah, that's racist. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, but here's my question to the questioner. Mm -hmm. What kind of biracial are you? Because... I, it sounds like she's saying that she's black and something. Mm-hmm. So telling a person who's mixed that they don't look mixed is definitely racist. But also, I'm confused why she's not telling us what kind of mix she is because it does sort of change. You know huh. what I'm saying? Like, like, yeah. Because like, I'm black and white, but you could also be biracial and be like Korean yeah. and and black, or Korean and white, or Korean and like Dominican. I will say this thing, which uh, came up during my time uh, on the uh, medium hit ABC sitcom Mixed Dish, uh, mm-hmm. which is because all of the biracial folks on that staff were black and white. Mm-hmm. And there was a vein of folks who held that 
I can't remember if it was the term biracial or mixed, was strictly for black and white. Interesting. Um, and that... I think mixed yeah. is more commonly used for black yeah, and white. Yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. I so use maybe mixed. I'm, I don't like to use biracial, though my Instagram or my Twitter handle yeah. is biracial, <laughs> but that's because my name's Tracy and it's funny. But I never say that I'm biracial. I say that I'm mixed. Yeah. Um, Biracial feels a little dated to me, I guess, as someone who has it, no it right to, to have an opinion. It feels racist to me. I don't know. I feel like I'm saying like something bad. It's like the way yeah. that white people are like, she's bl- African-American. Yeah, That's me yeah, with biracial. Yeah. I think she's mixed. <laughs> Multi-ethnic. Um, like, but yeah, yeah, but that is, I assume, just a language thing, right? It's yeah. just like language is evolving and it just feels yeah, yeah, fashioned, yeah. maybe? Yeah, that's how I feel about it. But okay, here, if the, if the caller inner is black and white, or black and mm-hmm. something, which it sounds like she is because she says people say that you don't look black. Mm-hmm. It's definitely racist to say that because the implication is that looking black is a something and b something worse right. than the other things they're saying that she looks like. <laughs> right. right? Like so if sure. if she if she is you know one of the other things that she didn't list that people say that she looks like but she's not black, then it might be slightly less like if she's Right. If she's Cuban, if she's not Cuban, she looks Cuban, I think she said, but she's actually mm-hmm. Dominican, it might be slightly less racist. But if she's black and people sure. are like, well, you don't look black, don't like, look black. in that way yeah, as yeah. a compliment, <laughs> that's definitely fucking racist. Um, but the person who's like, oh, I can tell you're black. Is that a black person that you work with? Because I'm always that person where people are like, oh, people never think I look black. And I'm like, I can tell. Uh, but that's because I am black. Like, I'm like, oh, you got a drop? Yeah, I can yeah. fucking find it. Um, but if that was a white person saying that, that would feel a lot more racist. I'm like, I can sniff out the black people here. Like, I found you. You know, like, that's definitely not good. Um, but yeah. Also, next time someone says that to you, call HR or something. Like, 100%. tell them to stay the fuck out of your... Your ethnicity. Yeah. Yeah. People, it's so bonkers how comfortable people are talking about race in unbelievably inappropriate situations. And like in mixed company. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's as, yeah. People, I mean, this podcast does probably the opposite of that, but people all need to be way less comfortable bringing that shit up (laughs) and discussing it until they're a billion percent more fluent. Yeah. Definitely. Which I guess they will never be. Um, <laughs> holy moly! Well, uh, I guess we're yeah. Let's we're that that's that we great. we we got to the we did a voicemail. Tracy, thank you for bringing um, unbelievable amounts of. I will say this: you did the sort of like pentathlon of like knowledge. <laughs> <today>. <laughs> From That's Beyonce's why you're the premier blood guest. to biracial baddies. <laughs> Another title for you for the episode. You're welcome. Just dropping them. Left and you and don't right. stop pitching. Yeah. You don't stop pitching. Always be branding. <laughs> um, Tracy, can you tell people uh, where um, they're not going to be able to see you live for a little bit? No, but otherwise, where, where can they find you? I'm going to be locked in my house. So good luck finding me. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Bytracial. 
Um, love it love it but don't really you don't really have to find me there you can find me on uh instagram at the stacks pod uh and at the stacks podcast.com i'm on tiktok but i never use it because i'm old and i don't want (laughs) to dance for you and i'm on threads and shit i don't know just go you know what you can do you can go on your little podcast Mm -hmm. app where you're listening to this that's right and look up the stacks and please just subscribe okay you don't even have to fucking listen just subscribe okay (laughs) just make me feel good about myself but also so listen. But listen, also Andrew's listen. been on. Tani's been on. So like definitely listen. I just had Beto O'Rourke on. Can you believe wow, that? Yeah. I know. Crazy, that was right? So wild. It was so and he was a fan of the podcast. He cold emailed me and was like, That's would love so to come wild. on the show. And I thought it was spam. So I forwarded it to his publisher and was like, someone's pretending to be Beto O'Rourke. And they were like, it's him. <laughs> That's nuts. Oh, my God. Anyway, so, like, I have good episodes, um, but also, if you don't want to listen to me anymore, it would just be nice oh if you subscribe to the podcast. That's all I'm really asking. I see, I all had right, a bad year, right. so I'm giving bare minimum. All right, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just just meet meet Tracy's bare minimums. But thank yeah. you, thank you, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I'm going to say with about 75% confidence that Tani and I will be back next week um, <laughs> given our track record. I guess that's not a guarantee, but we're as far as we know right now, as far as I know, as I'm talking, we'll be back next week. 323-389-7223. That's 323-389-RACE. Um, yeah, thanks for listening. Hope your whatever the fuck Thanksgiving time was good enough. Peace. This is about to